Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Welcome to the greatest episode we have. It's going to be the best. Who's excited for Halloween? Wait, is this a podcast or a WWE episode? I'm going to take your podcast <laughs> and I'm going to shove it in the ground. And then three days later, you're going to rise like a zombie. And then we got to the church bit. Okay, perfect. I was, I was actively trying to get away from the church <laughs> You said thing. three days. I so. know. And the second I said it, I knew where everyone was. Ugh, Tyler. Look. Ty Ty the Bible Guy's not going to be here today. Don't expect any Ty Ty the Bible Guy sermons because it's Halloween. And I want to do a Halloween episode. I'm so excited. Tyler's so excited, guys. I'm so excited because he's so excited and also because all of this is a, is a surprise to me. Yes. He did all the prep work. Yes. Our roles have totally reversed. I think next year you have to do all the work. Do okay. you think that that's a? Do you think you're capable of doing it? I think that's fair, but not I think to sound like a dick, like a misogynist <laughs> dick, like oh, a little woman's gonna do the podcast. I think I could do it, but I think <laughs> you'll miss it because this is like, is it fair to say this is one of your favorite episodes of the year? Yes, one hundred percent. So did I think you not just hear the intro. Yes. I did. <laughs> well, I I didn't want to assume, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think. Um, I think I would miss the the whole process of talking to people and being excited about it. Um, especially, uh, we'll be getting into who's who's been a part of this process the whole time. I think that I'm I'm just so excited because it's grown so much since last year. Like last year, we had a lot of stories submitted. It was really cool. It was really fun, really cool to to do all this this stuff. This year, it got dialed in, and, and all of the friends that we've made over the last year and a half really came together, and so that's what I was excited about the most. The process of producing all of these <laughs> was a little bit stressful, <laughs> and I think you'll notice there are only a, a few stories that got real close attention to paid to them because I was like... And I'll get to those later. <laughs> like I gotta focus on these because they're really good. Um, and so, so you know, I I did as best I could uh, for producing fourteen episodes in two weeks. That's basically an episode a day. Um, so episodes, insane episodes, stories, stories. Yeah, I mean they're basically mini episodes. Yeah, essentially. So, um, so. Let and Hannah, unless you have anything else to say about this process, I have nothing else to say except that, as you alluded to, uh, we had some extra help this time that we yeah. didn't have last year. Yeah. So, so Hannah uh, knows who's reading for the most part. Some of them are, are people you don't know or, or whatever. Um, but um, you don't know the stories. You don't know who's written what, who's reading what, and uh, and the only story you know. I'm guessing you read. Uh, is it Talon, Talon? Talon. Talon. Uh, yes. Hi, I, Talon. It's me, Tyler. <laughs> I'm never going to get your name right. <laughs> I read Nobody Ever Does. Yeah. Takeout ordering is a nightmare. Ooh, um, yeah, I bet. So I read mine, obviously. And then I read my boyfriend's and promptly told him that he failed to meet the word count requirement. I think everyone failed <laughs> He thought first. I said minimum 500 words. 
So he did like 1,500 words, and I was like, oh, nope, geez. we got to cut this down. Yeah, so no. I've read his twice, the first version and the, the edited version. Yeah, and we'll get into uh, we'll, we'll get into the specific stories and the stories behind the stories as we come up to them. But um, before we get into the stories that are going to be the Halloween episode, I want to uh, kind of do a little bit of um, not housekeeping, but just kind of just thank yous off the top. Uh, we'll talk about the writers as we get into their stories. But I really, really top of the show want to um, give a hand to the people that read our stories. Um, so each one, I, I've written just a small little thing. And if you're if you're reading our copy for each episode, which who does, uh, you can. It's the exact same thing that I'll be posting here. Um, but let's let's talk about our readers first we have Britt winchester who if you've listened to our show she should be a name that you've heard before she is the host of contrivance podcast she's a personal friend of mine uh, i mean you've talked to her a few times i don't want to assume I. that you're friends but <laughs> she's a friend of mine a uh, very good friend of mine uh and she's a friend of our show because she is uh she has been supporting us for a long time she hosted me she was the first person to invite me on their show as a guest uh once we started this process um she's probably our number one fan she probably listens to every single episode first you know before anybody else um and she's one of the funniest people i know and she's got a killer voice i actually texted her once and was like you know what listening to your show i've realized that i'm so jealous of how you she's speak. got a great voice she has a great voice yeah uh along with her co-host drew who who does the contrivance show with her um he is by far one of the funniest guys he didn't read for us because i didn't ask him because he's a busy guy but um their show is amazing um and uh uh and i tried to do just a little fun thing um like like four or five months ago the thing that you didn't want to be a part of because we won't get into it it just wasn't your cup of tea uh as i drink a cup of tea <laughs> yeah um but while we were doing that project uh i realized that brit is a great reader she has a great voice for reading so i wanted to get her on our show and um yeah i just knew she would be perfect for this so um check out her show contrivance podcast um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, go check it out. Or you can go to their website, contrivancepod.com. You can support them on Patreon. You can buy merch from them. You can check out all their fun stuff. Um, next up is Alexa Tibbles. Alexa got the job reading a story because she is my cousin. <laughs> um, she's also super fun. Um, super cool. She's really fun to play Dungeons and Dragons with. Um, I recently kind of reconnected with her. We hadn't really had a, a relationship as, as family members for a really long time, but it was D&D that kind of brought us back together. So um, it's it's really cool. And she's a 911 dispatcher. So in this unprecedented time, <laughs> in these uncertain <laughs> God, times. Everybody take a shot. <laughs> uh, I just wanted, uh, She's she is such a fun person. I wanted a reason to kind of give her a shout out. Uh, so I invited her to do some work so that I could justify it. <laughs> uh, but no, she did a great job. She read for us. Uh, and so I just wanted to thank you, uh, Alexa, for all the crazy hard work that you guys have been putting in. Uh, the dispatchers, the emergency responders, people who have been on the front lines of all this stuff. Uh, cliche, cliche, cliche. 
thank you so much seriously and uh alexa it was so fun to listen to your story and i can't wait for other people to listen to you read as well next up is delina garcia and she got the job because she's my mom <laughs> i swear nepotism that's, nepotism yeah, everywhere that's, that's the end of my of my relations i swear uh but my mom has actively been working on uh becoming a writer and um a narrator like a voice actor for audiobooks for a while now and she's been trying to pursue this for a bit and uh this challenge i think really kind of kicked her in the butt and i just you know i was just like listen you have to do it you have to do this and so she finally did it she she wrote something she sat down she made it and i couldn't be more proud of her for committing to this and really starting the process of writing and coming in to work with cameron uh our editor producer cameron to do her story to read her story so she she read her story after she she wrote it so um big kudos to her um and and everyone that just took this as a challenge and took it as a, an attempt to try something um, my mom is a uh, symbol of that of just trying something you know so I, I really respect her for that of course we have james walden who read for us last year uh and he will read for us until the day he dies with that beautiful <laughs> npr voice he has the greatest <laughs> voice on earth for radio he uh, should always just be talking on the radio. And so uh, for our other show, Now Here This Can Be, uh, which is just a local news show that we get him to read on, I just kind of slipped this horror story into the news scripts and got him to read it. He makes it through like the second paragraph. He's like, wait, did this really happen? <laughs> this didn't really happen. But uh, yeah, so so he read for us. Thank you, James, so much. Um, and uh, here's to the rest of our readers. They all come from the cast of Fables of Refuge, which is uh, also Fables on YouTube. We got Carter Michael, Jess Ayers, Laura Daly, and the Dapper DM himself, Jarrett Sullivan. They all came out to play with us this Halloween. Of course, I I would I can't not talk about Allie Fitzgerald, who went above and beyond with this thing. I'm not joking. She took the challenge of writing a story and she wrote a story for this and she ran with it, man. She wrote the story and then did my job of producing a great piece of art for us. Like it, she did a better job at doing her audio than I did for all of them. I, I'm, I'm genuinely ashamed and jealous in the best way because Allie did such a good job. So Allie, thank you so much for the work that you did at making our show that much better. And thank you to the whole cast of the show of Fables. You did such an outstanding job from Laura Daly going out of her way to perfect an, a French accent, which she was like, I just don't know if I can. I was like, hey, if you can't do it, I've been known to do a terrible accent from time <laughs> to time. I'll just do it and throw it over the top of it. And she's like, let's save the world, Tyler. Let's Laura, <laughs> thank you so much. I haven't heard it, but... Thank you. Yeah, uh, she did a great job. So, yes, thank you. All the way to Jess Ayers, who she is an actual voice actor who's done this professionally. So she essentially donated her time, her profession to us to do this. Um, so she's just a wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, I can't get her voice uh, from her show, Fables, uh, as her Dragonborn monk out of my head. So it was just perfect. 
um, from Jarrett hitting the tone of his story so perfectly well. I, I didn't even mean to, but like, I love Jarrett's voice. He's kind of got just a, just this kind of, I don't know. I, He's got southern, like, a like a Southern style of, of speaking that just is very subtle. And it came through in the, in the story that was written because it was written by someone who also has a Southern sort of tone in his writing and it was just perfect Jarrett did such a good job and then carter michael who who read two stories for us and uh made me feel bad for a friggin zombie uh, i mean half of, that, half of that is the writer's job so they did a great job but carter also read it so perfectly that i listened to it three times you know just being like oh so good it's so good <laughs> so thank you Jarrett. thank you carter you guys did such a good job hats off to this uh, amazing cast of actors. If you want to show them some love and support, please go check out their amazing show, Fables of Refuge, on YouTube. They play Dungeons & Dragons video games now. They're starting to do kind of live stream stuff. And then they have other podcasts. One of them might be featuring me, Tyler Clausen. <laughs> I was a guest on one of their shows. Oh, is that what that meant? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the executive producer of Fables of Refuge, Carmichael, he had me on his podcast, uh, which is Classes in Session, and they talk about what fictional uh, characters would be in Dungeons & Dragons, what class they would be. And, of course, that is right up my alley. No. So I, I know, right? <laughs> so I joined them for that. So please go check them out. Go support them. You can go on YouTube and just type in Fables of Refuge and consider supporting them on Patreon. Help an indie project and support great creators please thank you again to all of our readers thank you for helping us and making this such a fucking awesome episode okay you asked if we could say suck off <laughs> offline and then you just totally up the ante yeah i did fuck is not as bad as suck <laughs> <laughs> and right. without further ado so we're gonna get into stories now our stories come from all over the world hannah we have people submitting from the east coast west coast la down the road and all the way from fucking new zealand my favorite country yeah 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 uh let's jump into our first story uh starting things off with my mom delina garcia she wrote and read her own story and couldn't and i could not be more proud i'm so excited for of of her for doing this um and just going after two dreams at the same time. So, Cameron, let's uh, let's pull up um, the story "Giving Up the Ghost" by Delina Garcia, read by Delina Garcia. "Giving Up the Ghost," a short story by Delina Garcia. Yeah, I'm not convinced yet. Ty said, matter-of-factly, you know, I've never seen anything that I couldn't eventually debunk. My oldest son was responding to the ridiculous notion that there was a spirit in the little apartment we shared, him, me, and younger brother Cam. He assuredly added, so until I do, I'll continue to believe there is no spirit living with us or that ghosts even exist. He turned, but looked back to grin at us. I was amused by my son's declaration. I often am amused by my boys. They are the funniest two people I know. <laughs> Ty spread his hands and lifted his arms out in front of himself and looked up towards the ceiling with a mocking tone, spoke to the empty space above. So if there are any spirits in this apartment, make yourself known now. Otherwise, forever hold your peace. 
We all sat there in a collective silence, listening and grinning at one another. I'll be honest, for me, there was hopeful anticipation for something, just something, just to set Ty on his cocky little butt. But alas, nothing happened. Only the sound of the TV streaming one of my favorite ghost reality shows. After about 10 seconds, we all kind of chuckled and the silence was gone. Ty headed into the kitchen and began unloading the dishwasher. Cam and I turned our attention back to the TV. I was sitting comfortably in my lounge chair next to the wall that divided the moderately furnished living room from the kitchen. Cam was sitting on the plushy couch across from me to the right. The dining room was at the end of the kitchen through which you'd walk to get to the living room. The lights were off in the kitchen and dining room as Ty was unloading the dishes by the dim lighting from the living room lamps. About five minutes had passed and the previous discussion was all but forgotten. Suddenly, a single loud startling crack erupted from the darkened dining room. Only now the dining room was illuminated by the one lamp that was sitting in the previously darkened corner. I can't be sure, but I think I heard Tyler cry out, Holy sh! Cam simultaneously exclaimed, What the hell? I remember the eerie silence that followed. I covered my mouth with both of my hands. I think we all were holding our breath. The dark kitchen was silent. Cam and I were wide-eyed and staring at the lamp, not moving. Cam, in a loud whisper, says, Dude, what the literal fuck? Finally, I spoke out, Ty, are you okay? After a second or two, a breathless voice answers, I think so. Um, yeah. Did you see what happened? I imagined that Ty was recovering from very nearly dropping a, let's just say, a dish. He later described the feeling that went through him was like none he had ever felt. He was thinking that this must be what terror feels like. He felt an instant surge of cold sweat and tingles go from his head to the back of his neck to his heart, which felt like it was pounding out of his chest, down through his arms and legs to his fingertips and toes. His knees went weak, and he thought they might just give out from under him. To say the least, his mind was a bit blown. Once he got a hold of himself, and as soon as his legs allowed, he cautiously approached the lamp. Coming around the kitchen wall into the living room, he kept an eye on the lamp still vibrating from the action it so abruptly had taken. As I saw him rounding the corner, I could tell this boy was shook. His face looked drained of every drop of blood with silver dollars for eyes. His jaw was in a tooth-breaking clench, and I had never seen his nostrils flared so wide. Finally, he appeared to swallow a lump in his throat, unlocked his jaw, and opened his mouth. But nothing came out. What? Tyler C., speechless? No way. Oh, yes, indeedy. After a brief minute or so, blood returning to his face and regaining blinking and breathing abilities, the alarm in his eyes gave way to determination. He gazed around the room and then at me as if to say, there's no way this could be happening, right? Finally, the investigation began. He scanned around the room, around the lamp, up and down and all around the dining room. 
nothing on the walls, nothing on the floor that he could see that would explain what just happened. Now, down on his hands and knees, peering under the desk, well, there was that pencil on the floor way in the back in the corner. Could that have fallen? How did the light come on, though? What the fuck? Watching him in his search, I was impressed and amused by his perseverance. But equally, I was surprised by my own resourcefulness to pull this off. It was extremely hard to keep it together. I even suggested he call out again to get another reaction. Might have gone a bit too far there. But in the end, it was the lamp that finally gave up the ghost. He bumped into it unintentionally, and it flickered, then shut off. He gasped, finding himself in darkness again. He tested it by touching it again, a few more times. With each tap, the lamp flickered on and off. With a satisfied gleam in his eye, he grinned at Cam, catching Cam, in that instant looking at me. Yet Cam defensively throws up his hands and says, Nope, not me, shaking his head. I didn't do this. Hey, Ty, I said as they both suspiciously looked my way. Will you go get that pencil for me? What? he asked. Why? Because, I said with a sly grin. I need to mark on the calendar the day Mom almost made Ty a believer. That was delightful. Yeah? Yes. Oh, your mom's the best. Yeah, I think she's pretty good. (laughs) I was really happy with that story. Did you you catch what happened in there? Because it's kind of subtle. I wasn't sure how she pulled it off necessarily. I think I was still like going along with the ghost angle. And then I was like, wait, wait, she tricked you? Oh, she tricked me hoard. Hoard. Yeah. Hoard. Seriously, that's a real story. That's a that's a true story. Oh, she wasn't just talking about her sons, Cam and, and Ty? No, that's a real... Yeah, I don't know who she's talking about, but that... The person who almost never stops talking? <laughs> I like that. No, so, so how did she pull it off? She threw a pencil at it. That was it? Yeah. She just threw a pencil she and was, that was enough she to... Was, she was not okay with me not believing. So she threw a pencil at it pop pop and then the light goes on and i was like uh that's the most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me in my life so that was uh yeah that was her writing that story i think she did a great job for having to put it down into only 700 words i think she said when she first wrote it it was like 1600 wow she she had to reduce it quite a bit i Um, mean i think that made it better I, you know down, I'm a favor of like very short yeah, writing. You, you so. cut my stuff down like yes. pretty hard. So, but she did a great job reading it too. I love her voice. Yeah, she did. She did a great job reading, and uh, I was I'm really happy with it. So, Yay. so that was our first story, um, and now we're gonna get into our second story um, because I owe this to Alyssa. She she should have been our first story. <laughs> I just wanted to start the show off on, you know, a light tone, get things going. Uh, but Alyssa, I've been promising that we're going to have a story read, written by her read on our show for almost a year. Uh, but it's just, it was so sultry. It was just so like. So what Tyler means is she submitted a story a long time ago. Yeah. It was one of the best stories I have ever read. And I'm so sad I mean, I'm happy for her, but I'm sad that we can't read it on air now because she, like, got it published in an actual magazine. Uh, So we told her that she had to write something else for us, and I hope it's as good as the other story. Oh, I think it's it's really good. And I I think Britt did a really good job of conveying it. 
So uh, just so you guys are aware, uh, Alyssa uh, that we're talking about is Alyssa Smith. Um, she's been a listener of ours almost since we first started. She is from New Zealand. She is our New Zealand prophet speaking to the masses down there of how great and wonderful we are. She's spreading the gospel of Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, she's also a writer. I mean, if that matters. <laughs> she's also a yoga instructor and a book reviewer for her uh, stuff on Raven Books. Um, New which, Zealand. It, well, the, yeah, it's the like Instagram NZ is at Raven Books NZ. So New Zealand. Um, so you guys should definitely go check out her stuff and, and keep an eye on her as far as future uh, writing endeavors. Um, so, uh, Cam, if you want to bring that over, uh, we'll be listening to The Confrontation by Alyssa Smith, read by Britt Winchester. You disgust me. I can hardly look at you. Yet I forced myself to stare into your eyes, two cold pits of darkness. I want to turn away, to run away, but curiosity roots my feet to the ground. I need to understand how you have become nothing more than a stranger to me. Betrayal rakes at my gut. I thought I knew you, but I was wrong. I never imagined that you could be capable of an act so atrocious, so heinous. You are a vile excuse for a human being. Blood streaks your face. I know it's not yours. It should never have been shed. The blood of an innocent life extinguished by your uncontrolled rage. Fingernail gouges are carved into your cheek. A purple lump is growing above your eyebrow. Good. You deserve to feel pain, but it's not enough. You should suffer for what you did. A twinge of guilt dampens my fury. Haven't we always been taught to be merciful, to harbor no hatred and absolve those who have wronged us? No, I will never forgive you. I squeeze my eyes closed. Rage churns my stomach and stings the back of my throat bitter and acidic. My face heats up. Things will never be the same between us. My eyelids rise with heavy resistance. Your visage comes into focus again. Wait, is your lip curled? Are you snarling? Who are you? I hardly recognize you anymore. Your face, once attractive, is now marred by wickedness. The urge to escape your gaze is powerful. But I must confront you now. My hands have unconsciously balled into angry fists. I slowly release one and raise it toward you. I'm craving a sense of clarity. As I reach tentatively toward you, I meet a cool surface. The mirror is unyielding against my fingertip. Alyssa does not disappoint. <laughs> she starts out strong, too. She, yeah. But like, oh, shit, we're getting into it, man. <laughs> it, that was like the polar opposite of our our first story. Yes. Like fun, <laughs> upbeat. And then that's like, <laughs> you disgust me. Ah! It's me. 
Turns out it's man. It's a that's a Futurama <laughs> joke. No, that was amazing, and Britt uh, really, really drove it home. Yeah, for real. Also, I'm really digging the background music. Now I, I know what you meant by, like, the production that had to go into it. Yeah. I didn't know there was going to be music involved. In well, that. it just makes it – it just gives it atmosphere. It does. You know? and, I, and I appreciate our writers, but I love adding more atmosphere. Yeah. So, um, it yeah. all works very well together. Damn, Alyssa. I mean, you're a super nice person, so it kind of creeps me out that – Yeah, how do you do that? Like, you're how do you, so yeah. freaking nice. She's You're so such nice. a good person. How do you write that? Got to watch out for the nice ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if I ever get to go down to New Zealand and visit <laughs> like you did, I'm definitely not going to look in her mirrors. Definitely. Yeah. She. I imagine we're just going in there now, and they're all covered with like blankets yeah. and stuff. <laughs> Some very Bly Manor stuff. Going oh, I just on. finished watching that. By the did way, did you? We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later for sure. <laughs> all right. So this next one is uh, submitted by Alfred Smith. Uh, he was, I'm guessing Alfred is a he. I honestly don't know, but I'm, I'm going to wow, go with a guess here. Uh, he submitted, uh, this story to us. He was the very first person to submit their story. So Alfred, thank you for trying to get on top of my stress level by helping me out. I then ignored it for about a month and then started working on it. But at least you had a month to ignore it yeah. instead of having like 12 hours to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Um, he wrote this story, uh, Maker. Uh, is the name of it uh, and he originally actually wrote it for a blog back in like 2015 um, and so he heard about our our little submission and immediately emailed us a link to it and said you should definitely read this on your show a true professional yeah this dude is awesome if you're a dude um <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is like a J.K. Rowling situation, and it's a lady using a man's name. Yeah, to I don't, get that's ahead. what I'm saying. I don't know, Alfred. I don't. I'm very sorry, but I'm guessing you're a dude. So, uh, and this was read. Uh, this is our first story read by one of the Fables of Refuge, Fables of Refuge cast, uh, Laura Daly from Fables of Refuge. So, uh, this is Maker by Alfred Smith. They say nights are quiet, silent even, but. That really isn't so. It makes noises of its own. Even the seemingly silent glide of the hunting owl whistles keen as wings slice wind, and prey screams before talons crack it open, spilling red life like the contents of a leaky whiskey barrel. A late autumn cricket chirped in vain, born too late for mating. It too will freeze and die in the grass on cooling mornings, no progeny for spring. I stared at the wheeling moon and stars, thinking I would stay here, believing for a moment I could. I'll leave tomorrow. The freezing breeze seized and shattered my breath's vapor. My worn cloak had thinned into little more than a long rag full of holes where the cold poked at my legs like children's fingers. I looked all around the cemetery, Everyone I knew was here. The slaughter of my neighbors and family was swift and thorough. Did they know that I was now among them? Could they hear my heart, see my breath, and hear the lonely cricket solo above the blowing, rustling leaves clattering against the tilted, faded headstones? Did their wandering ghosts find it as beautiful as I did? I shuddered in anticipation of the change to come, 
when I heard the voice behind me, as if the very air itself had spoken. Are, Are you ready? ready? The anticipation turned to fright, the fright to something I couldn't name. I half turned, seeing him over my shoulders, smelling the loamy earth on my cloak. The stink of him was overwhelming, his beauty unparalleled by anything I would call such. I used the headstone I'd sat against to pull myself up, not trusting my legs, then brushed off what autumn detritus didn't fall on its own, as if appearance mattered now. I wanted to run, screaming, to call him vile things, to spit in his bloody face after I beheaded him. No doubt he knew what I was thinking, but he said nothing. I fell into the power of his silent, evil presence, quiet and feral. He was an old snake full of intelligent insanity. As he watched me struggle with myself, I sensed his patience start to crumble before the slow rise of his anger. His deep voice pierced my ears, a spike coated in honey, lethal and sweet, challenging me to defy him, laced with desire to punish me if I did. Are, Are you sure? sure? In the silence of my trembling, looking into the jade and gold of his gleaming eyes, the tatters of my will fell to the cold, hard ground, along with my bedraggled cloak. Yes. It slipped from my shoulders with the cares of this world trapped in its filthy folds, and the cricket's song abruptly ceased. My maker held out his hand. I went to him. Holy crap. Right? Right? Let's just let's just break this down real quick. First of all, great story. Great story. By Alfred Smith. Hopefully a guy. <laughs> great story. And then Laura just like knocked it out of the park. Am I right? She did amazing. And then you knocked it knocked it out of the park too. With, I mean the music was perfect, and then you added in the, the Billie Eilish like yeah, demon that voice. Whole, like demon voice thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll see that throughout the some of the stories. I, I once I found out that I like I did that. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is my thing now. So by the fourth story, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm sick of this We're demon so voice. Demon but voice. right now, no. I find it delightful. Uh, no, I didn't do it too much because um, it it didn't it didn't always call for it. But that like when it did call for it, I I was I jumped on every opportunity I could. Um, that was so. great. Kudos to you, Alfred. Yeah, and Laura. Alfred, Laura, you guys are a dynamic duo. <laughs> You guys, you guys should like exchange some, uh, some info and then create some, like a friggin' audio drama podcast about a, <laughs> like a lady that reads stories from a guy that she doesn't. She's hopefully a guy that she's never met before. <laughs> I think you've got a winning plot. You line got there. it. <laughs> All right. Um, up next is our story from uh, Kenneth Lawson, who uh, submitted a story, uh, which he entitled "Halloween Story." Perfect. Yeah. Wait, his last name is Lawson. Lawson. 
Is he also a relative and you just changed his last name to Lawson, not no. Clawson? No. No, I did I, not. That's just Kenneth Lawson. I'm Good watching old out Kenneth for you. Lawson. Uh, submitted to us there. So let's just jump right into it, folks. I was uncertain if the bone-deep chill coursing through my body was from the frigid air or fear. But either way, the cold of the steel bars of the gate made my hands even colder as I pushed it open. The whistle of the wind through the undergrowth made the cold even worse. Inside the stone walls, I tried to get my bearing, but nothing looks the same as it did in the daylight. Come to think of it, daylight hadn't been that much brighter than it was now. I just needed to get in the old castle and back out again without dying. Not dying would be nice. I found the steps to the back door. To my surprise, the key I'd stolen from the drawing room fit the large cast iron lock mounted to the door. The key felt like it was going to break off inside the lock at any moment. The key felt like it was going to break off inside the lock at any moment, but it held, and the works moved, and I felt the tension release on the door as it loosened up. My heart was racing again as I pushed the door open. More cold air greeted me inside. Shining my flashlight around, I found what I was looking for. On a small wooden table on the back wall of the room was a book. The large leather-bound tome was heavy. I had to use both arms to cradle it to my chest to carry it. Just as I reached the door and was about to step back into the night air, I felt another presence. Turning around, I looked back into the room. She was standing next to the table where the book had been. Hopefully, there was a spell in this book that would make her go away. I love that. So Lovecraftian. It was amazing. I loved it so much because it's just like Lovecraft. A book, a ghost, a scary place. A spell. A spell. (laughs) Yeah. And it was so short, and it was like, I, when I when I saw it was so short, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't going to be good. And then I read it, and then I read it again, and then I read it again, and then I listened to Carter read it, and I'm like, oh, damn! So, so good. It's funny, because, like, you know, when you're reading something, you can see it short right away. We're watching the, the little audio track go by, so I knew the ending was coming up, and I'm like, how can this be over already? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it, it ended, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. That was the perfect spot to end it. Well done, Kenneth. Yeah, man. Uh, I was a big fan of that one. I, I, I thought that was very Lovecraftian in the way that he wrote it. Uh, so you're going to hear me say that over and over and over Lovecraftian. again. Lovecraftian. it was oh, so good. I was getting some of those like uh, scary video game vibes from it. With this, with the noise I put behind Especially it. with the soundtrack. But yeah, but just like going into a haunted castle or whatever. Yeah, very, very rise from your grave. Yes. <laughs> I did it good, Cameron. Did I do it well? No, he's shaking his head. I didn't do it well enough. <laughs> Damn it! Our next story uh, comes from Heidi Brown. Um, this story is called The Hell Cell. Ooh, I like and, that. And uh, it was read by Alexa Tibbles, um, my cousin. <laughs> Unlike Kenneth Lawson. <laughs> Who is not my cousin, as far as I know. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I honestly, I don't know much about the writer. Um, so, I, I don't have a big story or anything uh, about, hopefully, her. It's Heidi. I don't. I just don't know if it, it's a guy or a girl. But H. Brown <laughs> is your horror story uh, author name. Yeah, Heidi Brown. Thank you for submitting. Let's dive into the hell cell. Ooh. 
Officer Hayes was your average blue-collar corrections officer and newly promoted warden to the local municipal jail. The jail was worn with the damage of many crazed criminals and the mentally ill. Daily cleaning and scrubbing could never rid the jail of the scent of vomit, blood, and any other bodily fluids. The filth never seemed to deter people from criminal activity. It certainly did not stop Jose, a local small-time thug and frequent visitor to the jail. On this particular night, Jose was regaling anyone who would listen about how he got shot in a gang fight and how it wasn't his fault. A blood-chilling, terrified scream echoed through the hall, interrupting Jose's claim to innocence. Hayes could hear the screams from his office. He glanced at the board that listed that cell as empty. Hey, Officer H, you'd better come check on the freak in cell six. Hayes briskly walked down the hallway and tapped on the holding cell door. He peered in through the little grated window and saw a man sitting in the center of the cell on his knees. His head was looking up and his arms were outstretched like he was praying. Hayes tried to get his attention by yelling at him, but there was no response. He slowly unlocked the door and walked in cautiously, still trying to talk to the man. He didn't move. Hayes walked over and touched the man's shoulder. The man slowly turned his neck and looked at Hayes. Hayes jumped back and screamed. The man had ripped his own eyes out and was carving Thou Shalt Not Steal into his arm with sharpened fingernails. The eyes are the window to the soul. I fooled them. They can't get my soul now. <laughs> the man was laughing maniacally. Hayes stumbled out the door and slammed it shut. The man's face appeared in the window. The bloody, empty sockets were trained on Hayes. He may have tricked me, but I will get what is mine, he said in an unearthly voice. The lights flickered, and then the whole hall went dark. The lights came back on, and the door creaked open. The lifeless corpse of the man lay on the floor, arms still outstretched, like a crucifix. The Ten Commandments of the Bible scrawled on the walls in blood. Hayes choked back the urge to vomit and ran to his office. He scrambled to find the phone number and called the old warden. A grisly voice answered before Hayes could even say hello. You put someone in six, didn't you? Then the line went dead. Hayes realized that in his shock, he didn't check to see if the man was still alive. But when he returned to the cell, it was empty. No body. No one. Over the years, crime had grown, and his jail had problems with overcrowding. Even in the most crowded night, Officer Hayes refused to make anyone stay in holding cell six. On one crowded night, Hayes watched one of his jailers escort a man to the holding cell. The man was screaming, No! 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 Not that cell! It's gonna kill me! His shrieks were filled with blood-curdling terror. Hayes looked up to see Jose fighting the restraints and ran to intercept him. But it was too late. He had already been shut into the cell. Hayes quickly pulled him out and slammed him into a different cell. Do not ever put anyone in this cell. Hayes growled at the new officer, who just rolled his eyes. Jose died that night. His eyes were torn out, and thou shalt not lie carved into his stomach. Damn! Damn. Yep. Yep. What? Yep. What? what?
where did all these amazing writers come from? They just live out there, <laughs> they, Hannah. They're walking around in the world just writing creepy, terrifying stuff. Yeah. Whew. I put out a call for, oh, some spooky, maybe fun, <laughs> silly stuff. We get shit like that. Haunts <sighs> my freaking dreams. Jeez, well, we, I, yeah, I'm going to have trouble closing my eyes tonight. Heidi Brown, hopefully you're a woman. Thank you for writing into our show and making this such a scary, creepy freaking Halloween. Whew. Such a good job, guys. And Alexa, thanks for being oh, my yeah. cousin. <laughs> yeah, there was no nepotism there. She's really good. Right? Yeah. Good job, Alexa. She did a great job. All right. Even though I tried to introduce this one uh, before this last story, we're going to introduce it the right way, the right time, now. <laughs> uh, this is My Last Halloween, written by Carly Blackmore. And it's read by Britt Winchester. Yeah, it's our second story written by Brit. She, or read she by did Brit. It. Read, read, read by Brit. God, I have so much going on in my head. I'm so excited about every single <laughs> one of these stories. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. Uh, Brit read this one. She did a great job. Carly uh, submitted this. Um, when Carly wrote this, uh, she sent it in, and when she submitted it, she said, uh, if, you, if you have any tips for any new writers like me, please let me know. Um, Carly, here's my tip. Keep writing. Ooh. It's so good. <laughs> well, I haven't it's, heard it yet. <laughs> it's really, really good. And I and I want, uh, Carly, if, if you are a brand new writer, you just got to keep at it, man. And and you're already, you're already very talented. You're already a very good writer, so uh, always have your have confidence in yourself um, because um, you did a great job. And here's Britt Winchester to pound that co- that nail into the coffin of how good it is. I don't I don't know where I was going with that. Where's thou be when the bell tolls for thee? The disembodied voices chime hauntingly. Man, Lily's family goes all out for Halloween, I think to myself. I bend and look for the speakers or wires. They must be hidden somewhere. Where's thou be when the bells toll for thee? More forceful this round. The sing-song invades my ears over and over again. Nausea builds. I know I shouldn't have eaten that homemade popcorn ball, I say to no one. The house is dark and super old looking. I swear it looked as new as my house from outside. I'm only a block from home, and this is the address Lily texted me. Google led me to this door. Where's thou be? They demand at once. What are you talking about, I beg. Where's thou be when the bells toll for thee? What bells? I didn't see any bells on my way in here. I didn't think I bumped anything. I don't remember walking in. My last memory before now is going to this house and ringing the doorbell. I was waiting on Lily's mom to open up the... The door opened and my brain stops. I wonder what's going on. It seems unwilling to go any further than that. I know I was going to say trick or treat when I saw her mother, but I didn't see her. Did I? I say out loud, snapping myself out of 
and almost days, the voices start a new song, a new round. The hunter has arrived. The hunter has arrived. Teasingly, they sing. The last note drags out then drops to the floor flat. Who is Hunter? I ask, hoping the voices answer. Does he go to Sandia High too? I personally don't remember anyone named Hunter, at least in my classes. My mind races. I know I'm new this year, but it's a small school, small town in New Mexico. I see him. My blood runs cold. I don't know where this dude got his costume, but it's good. It had to have been from one of those specific shops that the rich kids go to, or possibly the internet. Maybe his mom got it off Etsy or something, but it's good. The saber by his side looks sharp, and a book in his arm. There's a giant crucifix around his neck. Are those real rubies, I wonder? Thou art the witch, I presume? Only the worst one from the West, I reply with a grin. Instantly regretting my costume, my face falls. The air feels like it is leaving my lungs. He closes in on the space between us. Somehow he feels like he is ten feet tall, but I swear he's only my height. The smell of B.O. and stale beer enter my nostrils. I have the urge to ask if he has ever heard of deodorant, but it doesn't feel right. Art thou admitting guilt, then? In his tone, I feel that this is no longer just a costume party. Man, Lily sure knows how to make a spook house, I say, hoping to break his character. Art thou admitting guilt, woman? He demands this time. I don't know what to say. My heart pounds. Is, Is Lily, Lily thine familiar? familiar? Thy partner? Bring her to me. I, uh, I don't know where she is. I stammer. What else am I supposed to say? Who is this guy even? Where is Lily? He shoves me so hard I stumble back into a chair. I need to get out. Get out! My brain is screaming now. This party is totally not fun anymore. The door seems so far away. His back is turned. He is muttering in Latin and fumbling with the bag. I hear clinking of glass bottles, of chains hitting something soft. I run. I run faster than I have ever before. I no longer care about making these new friends. I no longer care about keeping cool under pressure. I don't know what exactly is going on, but I run. I heard him take chase as I hit the door. It slams shut and I'm back outside. The air is cool and crisp. I hear children laughing and calling trick or treat far off in the distance. Heading home, I'm still unsure what exactly happened. I guess I was tricked, but surviving that was my treat tonight. Carly, that was so good. Yeah, right? Oh, right? I love that ending. Yeah. That was very clever. Yeah, I love that play on the words of, you know, trick or treat. Yeah. It was really, really, really That really also well escalated done. really well. I was like getting very bad vibes originally with the sword and stuff, and then he gets to reading in Latin, and I'm like, nope, get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime someone starts mumbling Latin, you know it's time to go. I'm out, skis, brah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was Carly Blackmore. Um, and, uh, like I said, she's very talented and she needs to yeah keep writing, keep at it for reals. Um, and, 
So yeah, let's jump into the next one. Uh, this is a this is a good friend of mine who wrote this, Bradley Botts, and that's two T's, B O T T S. Um, Bradley has written several novels. Um, two of them are, uh, two of them at least are zombie survival type uh, books uh, aimed at um, people who have like military experience and stuff. I have the first one working my way through that um as soon as i finish it i'll be get, picking up the next one it is zeds uh z-e-d-s um zeds um you can see his work on amazon just type in bradley bots you'll find it there he also has a youtube channel where he talks about his writing process um and he's just a good guy like he's just a really good guy and he's he's an indie author so it's it's really cool to be able to support him um and um with that uh we got Jarrett sullivan the dapper dm himself from fables of refuge to read it um and i it was like putting a fine wine and a steak together just paired perfectly uh so this is dwelling by bradley botts read by Jarrett sullivan The trailer wasn't anything special. A few decorations of family photos and a couple of porcelain figures stashed on corner tables were all that brought life to this single wide, except for the love of a dying grandmother and her grandson. Certain nights, Brandon would get a phone call with the request to come sit with his grandmother, whose home was 50 yards away from his, while the grandfather would rush off in the middle of the night to unlock vehicles or help a distressed civilian. A constable's work was mere petty favors rather than law enforcement tactics. Brandon always sat next to his grandmother's hospital bed that was stationed in the living room in front of an old 1980s floor model television. Random memories of watching her sew a quilt in the adjacent kitchen as soap operas played on the television rushed in Brandon's mind as he sat in silence, just watching his grandmother breathe. When past memories became too much, Brandon would escape to the front porch where a single chair rested on the weathered wood. The night air outside was mugged with the day's humidity. Global warming, Brandon would say as he took a long draw off his cigarette. As the night journeyed further into the hours of sleep, Brandon would always try to catch the random images from the corners of his eye to his full gaze. Each time the image would disappear. When he was younger, his older brother taught him to make weird faces toward the shadows to say, I ain't afraid of you. With each vanishing glance, Brandon's tongue would stick out as the smoke would trail from it. As the last burning ember would reach the filter, Brandon would flick the remnants onto the lawn and watch it disappear into the night. The ember didn't disappear into the grass, though. It ricocheted inches in front of Brandon, only to land back at his feet. His eyes stared toward the burning filter as confusion settled. I know it didn't hit the two-by-four. As he stared more intensely toward the extinguishing flame, a brisk of cold air kisses his neck. No, it did not. Brandon leaped from his chair and averted his eyes to the wall behind him only to see the brown tin of the trailer wall. Who said that? It was quiet. Brandon slowly backed toward the front door, not allowing his eyes to see anything but what may be outside. The screen door creaked open just before he leaped inside the home. The wooden front door closes before he locked the deadbolt. Silence is still within the living room as Brandon's grandmother rests comfortably in her bed. 
Brandon's beating heart rumbled in his ears with the rushed panting of his inhales and exhales. He slowly stepped toward the couch where his eyes constantly searched the area. The lamp in the corner flickered, but Brandon always said his grandmother needed a new one. He convinced himself it was the old wiring inside the stand. The brown panel across the walls never pleased any eyes, but as Brandon sat stiff next to the bed, they began to darken. His eyes searched the walls from floor to ceiling as they began to vanish. When his eyes journeyed to the roof, it began to seep without changing colors from its eggshell white scheme. This can't be real. Did, did I fall asleep? That Was that not a cigarette? Did someone lace my pack? His thoughts asked many questions with no answer. Until the faint voice spoke again. No. Brandon jumped from the couch only to be pulled back down. He reached for his grandmother's hand to wake her but his wrist became wrapped in black vines that bound him to the couch. His screams began to leave his mouth, but the black vines corroded his lips and glued them shut. The front door opened, and his grandfather walked in to see Brandon, relaxed on the couch, staring off into the distance. Oh, you're awake, Brandon. Thanks for sitting with your grandma. Yes, Brandon, thank you. The voice whispers into Brandon's ear. Thank you. So much. A tear shimmering down his grandmother's eye. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Am I right? You've done such a good job of like pairing up actors with stories. Yeah. Here's the thing though, and, and this is what I was really impressed with uh with Jarrett. I didn't do any voice effects to him. He did that on his own? He did no that way. on his own. No way. All I did was bump up the volume when he did that. What? That's all I did. Because he did it where it's still like quiet. And I was like, nah, brah. You did the effort. <laughs> you put in the effort. I'm going to bump that up. So that's that's all I did right there. That was so creepy. He did that. It was so good. This, I mean, this is really proving what everybody already knows, which is that spooky story. Like, ghost stories are meant to be told, like, yeah, aloud. Yeah, told, spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Bradley did such a good job, right? Because, like, there's this innocent whatever story, and then out of nowhere, terror. Like, mm -hmm. terror. Black things coming out of the couch to grab you? Fuck, dude. He did a very good job of, like, the, the scene setting, too. Like, I really yeah. felt like... I was in the single wide and stuff, and right. like I, I could see everything happening. Yeah, which yeah, I think man. sometimes gets overlooked in in ghost stories, especially. It's he, setting he, the scene, really. Yeah, is like yeah. the exposition, but he did a great job with that. Yeah, he did a he did a really good job. Um, so yeah, so that was Bradley Bots, uh, read by uh, Bradley Bots Dwelling, read by Jarrett Sullivan. Um, our next story comes to us from a friend of mine who I was able to coerce into writing a story. His name is JT Owens. Uh, he is uh, a good, good friend of mine. Uh, he reads uh, almost as much as you do, Hannah. It's kind of <laughs> scary. Um, and uh, and so finally, this is his this is his first time ever writing anything ever. Really? Yeah. And highly impressed by his skills and abilities. He obviously soaks up what he reads. Um, and this is our first story read by Jess Ayers. Uh, from Fables of Refuge. So let's go ahead and go into The Building by J.T. Owens, read by Jess Ayers. I've been part of a few different urban exploration groups over the years, but 
can never really get the same joy from wandering the forgotten ruins of modern history as I could the crumbling structures of rural areas. The groups always wanted to go into downtrodden areas of the city, ripe with poverty and crime. Most of the places had been old business buildings whose owners were unfairly unable to compete with the large corporations moving in to crush or control anyone deemed lesser. It all quickly became routine to me. Pop a fence, break a cheap lock, then look around the cement and sheetrock to admire the vast amounts of vandalism. It all became boring. I began to ask around to see if there was anything different. Someplace new or out of the way that could bring that spark of excitement back into the hobby I used to love. Most of the members didn't really have any clue where to go, just following the direction of the rest, never really exploring on their own. But that still pointed me to the right way, asking the group of leaders if they'd heard of the right spot. There was something off about what they told me, like they were holding back information. They told me of a construction project that suspiciously just stopped. All work had ceased halfway through the building and was left untouched for years to let nature take its course. One told me of such that there's a strange sensation of helplessness anyone who goes near there begins to feel. This is the place of my dreams. When I arrived miles from any town, a sense of uneasiness and excitement quickly overwhelmed my sense of reason as I hopped the fence. There it is, the location I've been searching for, and just as eerie and beautiful as I had imagined. The surrounding woods were green and flowing, but absent of anything other than plant life and curiously silent. This should have been a huge red flag, but I pressed on. I was baffled by the strange architecture of the building. Two towers on top of a pedestal, with dozens of small sky bridges connecting the two halves. The place was clean, spotless even, untouched since it was left to die. There wasn't any sign of even a single squatter residing here since it was forgotten. So I pressed on. I climbed the stairs, venturing through the halls of framed lumber, devoid of walls. And that's when I noticed it. The light. Odd since there didn't seem to be anything anywhere near here. But there was a light coming from the woods, as though emanating through the window of a large structure. Staring closer at this window, in the distance, I jumped back in shock when a figure stepped into view, obscuring the light. For a brief moment, only to wander away from sight. It was then that the noises began, shuffling on the lower levels of the small towers. Two, maybe three sets of footsteps? How did anyone get up here so quickly? Did I miss the sound of a car approaching in my mindless gaze? It's nothing, I thought. Just the building settling is all, but it's time to leave to be on the safe side. I ran down the stairs as fast as I could, but the footsteps persisted. Now from above, keeping pace, if not quickening. My heart raced as I struggled to navigate this labyrinth. And that's when I saw them. Five hooded figures lining the hallway to the exit that now glowed with strange runes. I turned to look back, and three more of them had closed the distance behind me. Chanting filled my head from everywhere and nowhere all at once, overwhelming my senses. I had to run for it, so I ran straight for the door without thinking, without realizing what those damn runes were. That was seven years ago. I can't 
recall where they sent me. All I can remember is the incomprehensible horror surrounding me every second as unimaginable monstrosities circled the skies and slithered below. All gone in an instant, feeling like a distant nightmare. But I know what I saw. I mean, I mean, am I right, though? Okay, first of all, JT, thank you for caving to peer pressure and yes. <laughs> letting Tyler make you submit something. Yes. Uh, second, I think you're a liar. I think you've definitely written stuff before. This did it's not come so out of nowhere. Good. It's so good. That, again, I'm going to say it, Lovecraftian, like right at the end with being like shifted into another dimension and seeing fucking things coming out of the airs. And then he comes back and it's just incomprehensible horrors. Dude, so good. So good. Seriously. And then on top, the layer, the icing on top of the cake is Jess Ayers. Yes. Right? So good. She did such a good job of like just portray. Uh, I love that one. You That's, chose good music I, for I it too. I think that was my, probably my favorite one. We're not, are, are we choosing favorites? <laughs> I mean... It's so I love all good, of though. them. I don't know. Why don't you? It's so good, though. I just, I'm sorry. It's Jess did such a good job reading that. I can't get over how good and how lucky we are that we have people that read those stories. Or I know. else it would have been me. And I would me, have been like, you, I don't James. know. Some guys are in the hallway. <laughs> It would have been awful. <laughs> You're selling yourself short, but I do have to say I appreciate the professionalism yeah. that these other people have brought to it. And also the fact that we don't have to spend five hours recording <laughs> these and like starting over every time we mess up. Yeah, for reals. Um, yeah. So, God, thank you so much for submitting that, JT. It was so good. You need to start writing more. Um, everybody needs to go and tell him he needs to start writing more. So I don't, I don't remember offhand what his Instagram handle is, but... Go find them. Do your sleuthing, yeah. internet people. <laughs> All right. So up next, how about you tell me about this story? So this story came to exist because about two days before our deadline, I happened to mention <laughs> to my boyfriend <laughs> that I was hosting a podcast wherein we were accepting flash fiction yeah. and how I had not started writing mine yet. Oh. And he was like, oh, you're taking flash fiction. I like to write. And I'm like. You do, boyfriend of mine? <laughs> Write something I've for been my show. Out with for months now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he submitted something, and annoyingly, it's very good. Uh, I have the, I have this thing where it's we're still in the honeymoon phase, uh -huh. but everything he does is like very lovely and wonderful, and I just hate that he's good at everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, uh, uh, here's a story. It looks like you renamed it. I don't know if it had a title before. I th I just went off of what it was on the email that you sent me. Oh, well, then was I read it. supposed to be called something else? I, I don't remember what the title was. I think it's Security Bells. Kay. I don't know. This is Security Bells by Talon Paul. Read by James Walden. Yes. Uh, also, so you, you need to have him understand that that's a big deal. This is a big deal. You're welcome, Talon. <laughs> Day one. I work a 12-hour overnight shift for a security company and I just experienced something strange. 
I'm riding this in my patrol vehicle at 04.53 hours while parked outside the safest place I could find, a Denny's. Normally I would patrol with a partner throughout the night, but due to COVID-19, however, I have been working alone with no other officers on duty for backup. Oddly enough, I've been encountering more unsettling things than normal. A few hours ago, I patrolled a commercial property. It was vast, spanning at least a few miles in length. The section I was in had a warehouse. South of the warehouse was a large forested area, approximately two to four football fields. Yes, I do have to patrol those woods in the dead of night. On my patrol, I checked the perimeter of the building. All clear. I then walked the perimeter of the trees. On my walk, I heard the slow, distant ringing of bells. They sounded like chimes being shaken every few seconds. I assumed that there was another camp set up in the woods. The client has made it clear they don't want any campgrounds on property, so I began to investigate. The bells still sounded distant as if they were on the opposite end of the forest. I walked in the direction of the bells, however, no matter how far I walked, the sounds seemed to remain the same distance away. Eventually, during my comb through of the forest, the sound faded away and I noticed a reflective material off in the distance. Upon further investigation, there was a small one-person tent with a tarp covering a shopping cart next to it. I identified myself as security and said, Good evening. I don't mean to startle you. I am security for the property. Is anyone in there? I received no response other than the sound of someone turning over in a sleeping bag. Good evening. Can you wake up for me? I shouted this time. I'm awake, a female voice responded. Unfortunately, you're not allowed to be camping here, ma'am. Can you come out of the tent for me? I replied. The female did eventually come out. She looked to be in her 20s with short black oily hair, a green Carhartt-type jacket, and black jeans. Were you playing any music or, or ringing any bells by chance? I asked. No, she replied. Where am I supposed to go? She hissed while rubbing the sleep out of her eyes and putting on a pair of glasses. Unfortunately, ma'am, I can't answer that for you. You can go anywhere but here, I replied. She did not look homeless. Maybe it was a recent change in circumstance? Her glasses appeared new. They were large, squarish in shape and clean. As to not to agitate her further, I told her I would come back in about 30 minutes and that she needed to be gone by then. I left the area and made my way back to my patrol vehicle. A few minutes into my walk, I could hear those bells chiming off in the distance again. I stopped and listened for a few minutes, trying to figure out where that sound was coming from. A chill creeped up my spine and fear gripped my chest. I heard a petrifying scream. What the hell was that? I thought. I heard another scream. This time it ended abruptly, as if the wind was knocked out of them. Oh, fuck. I muttered to myself as I began to run towards the woman's tent. The sound of bells grew more intense the closer I got. I lit up the area as much as possible with my flashlight. Armed security, make yourself known, I shouted. I could see the campground was partially packed, the tent was flat on the ground, and the sleeping bag was stuffed into the cart. Ma'am, I questioned. The sound of the bells almost became white noise at this point. I walked over to inspect the campground further, and I found something a few yards from the cart. A pair of black, squarish glasses lay in the dirt. Ma'am! I screamed while scanning as much of the forest as I could with my light. The forest fell silent and the ringing noise pierced my ears. The sound of the bells began to surround me again. I froze and I felt adrenaline set into my bones. I frantically looked around for signs of, of anything. 
The bells were coming from everywhere, and they were getting closer. I panicked and ran. Every hair on my body told me that something was right behind me. The ringing and rapid chanting of bells was nauseating. I sprinted into darkness, trying to dodge trees and branches with the frantic drips of light. My hand could barely keep steady. I could barely breathe, and my limbs were on fire. I'm not going to make it. I convinced myself. Hope bled through the fatigue as I saw the warehouse through the trees. Once I cleared the tree line, the bells stopped. I felt relieved, yet petrified. I searched the tree line looking for anything that could be inside. I knew I shouldn't stay there, but I needed to catch my breath and calm my shaking limbs. After a moment of rest, I gladly ran back to my vehicle and immediately drove far and fast. Denny's is still closed. I'm not sure where else to go. I don't know what that was, and I don't know what happened to that girl. All I do know is that I'm not looking forward to my shift tomorrow. So, that's, you've read it before, how was it hearing James Walden, the voice of Canby? <laughs> the voice, is that who James Walden is now? He's the, the vo- voice of Canby. Hmm. How'd you feel about that? I feel like it just makes all of the stories so much better. Yeah, I do too. It just, like, even listening to that, I was like, this feels so much more Lovecraftian than when I listened to it, <laughs> or than when I read it the first time. You're going Lovecraftian. I'm going Lovecraftian. One. Yeah. Yeah. The I'd, swelling of the, the bells. Can I ask, is, does Talon work in security? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's a true story. Uh, Not from his experiences in security. He melded two, two stories. Was he the homeless lady in, in, <laughs> in part of the story? No, my boyfriend is not homeless. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So aggressive. Jeez. Um, that was a really good story. And of course it was well read by James. He did such a good job. Um, I also liked the, um, the stacking of those stories too. Cause you had the urban exploration one before mm-hmm. that. And I was like, Oh, this has kind of the same, like searching a property vibe. Yeah. yeah. Until it turns into something Terrif- way terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Um, definitely Talon is always welcome to submit stories to us because that was really really well written too even if i don't tell him about it until two days before he intend on is that is it supposed to be a bigger story um i'm not sure about that one specifically he he does have other he's like you in a way too many ideas uh he he plans out the whole story in his mind and has like all the world building and all the lore going into it in his case it's like actual uh like cultural lore yeah uh but hasn't actually written it down yet. Sure. So I know he is. needs to, to get on it. Yeah. Cool. Um, man, I'm just so excited. I love all these so much. <laughs> uh, moving on from Security Bells by Talon Paul, read by James Walden. We are now getting to Hannah Ray Lambert. Oh, did you do that on purpose? I did do that on purpose. I figure you two are together. You should be <laughs> together on the show, too. Um, this is written by a very lovely lady who uh, I would say I'm friends with at this point. <laughs> I've wormed my way into your heart. <laughs> I've forced and her onto to be your show. with me. Um, this, is, this is, reading this is very reminiscent of all the other stuff I've read from you. You, you have a very specific <laughs> style. It's very good. I I think, I mean, nobody can say that you're not technically one of the best writers that there is. You're such a good writer. 
Um, so yeah, so this is a, a this is uh, written by you, and I specifically had Ali Fitzgerald of uh, Fables and um, you know the other podcast, Best Friends sometimes, Playbook, yeah. <laughs> and our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ali Fitzgerald. Uh, I I knew that if she's gonna read a story, it's gonna have to be yours. And or I love mine, that. but I didn't think that she would appreciate reading mine as much as she would appreciate reading yours. <laughs> I was just stoked when I got a text from her being like, hey, girl, I'm reading your story. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So excited. So uh, let's jump into Late Arrival by Hannah Ray Lambert, read by Allie Fitzgerald. The other half of the bed was cold. The empty chill slipped across the sheets and seeped through my skin. He should have been here by now. Scratch that. He should have been here three hours ago. After slaying yet another glass of wine, I had cast one resentful glare out the window at the space where my husband's car should have been parked. For a moment, I considered locking the side door, a petty way to express my annoyance. No, I wouldn't act that childishly. Leaving the deadbolt in its open position, I turned and sulked upstairs to wash off my makeup, refusing to meet my own gaze in the mirror. My lipstick smeared like blood on the washcloth, then I buried myself under the covers of my bed, cursing myself for being such an idiot, for trusting him. I had almost, almost fallen asleep when I heard the faintest creak on the stairs, followed by careful footsteps. He hadn't turned the hall light on, so the metallic turn of the doorknob was the only sound that gave away his entrance. I squeezed my eyes shut and tried to steady my breathing. He didn't say anything, just climbed into bed and draped an arm over my midriff. I only managed to hold out for another moment. And then I turned onto my side and lay my head on his chest. He gave me a slight squeeze, and I believed that everything would be all right after all. Sleep came easily. I woke first in the morning before the October sun had done more than a hint at an accession. I crept out of bed and tiptoed from the room without turning on the light. Let him sleep a little longer, I thought, feeling more generous than I had the night before. Downstairs, I started the coffee pot, listening to the steam hiss, then begin to drip. I stole a wool blanket off the couch, wrapping it around my shoulders to guard against the autumnal air. Why was it so cold? I left the kitchen and, annoyed, realized the side door was open. My tolerant mood evaporated. What a stupid, careless thing to... I froze, fingers floating over the door handle like ghosts as my eyes locked on my husband's car and his body slumped over the steering wheel, blood splattered on the windshield. The floor groaned behind me. I didn't move, not until I felt a heavy hand on my arm. Then I swallowed my guilt and said, you left the door open. Let's go back to bed. classic it's such a classic story hannah that's classic like that's the sort of thing you would have read 40 years ago in like one of those books that like kids read as scary stories not kids kids wouldn't read that oh like the scary stories to tell in the dark or whatever yeah Yeah. that's so like perfectly like that's that oh thank you yes well done hannah i loved it and Allie. Allie did such a good job. Am I right? 
I need to stop gushing on people. No, I <laughs> love your energy. I just can't like gush on myself yeah. right now. But I was I was stoked that when I sent it, I was like, hey, can you look at this like just beforehand? I, I cheated and I knew that Tyler would edit it for me if I asked him to. Yeah. But you just responded and you were like, oh, my gosh, I love it. And I was like, no, it's cool, great. Sweet. It's, it was perfect. Um, again, it, like if you listen to last year's story and this one, it has a common theme. It has a very good each one has a good twist and and you have a very specific style that i like and it's it's you found that voice that you want to tell your stories in and it's and it's really and it is the voice of ali fitzgerald <laughs> yes ali is my designated uh, audiobook reader Forever, from every, now on. Yeah, every book you write ha- that's the the contract you'll sign with whatever publisher you'll get signed on with. <laughs> Allie Fitzgerald is the reader for this for book. life. She'll and follow any- you around to all of the book readings. You don't read a bu- you don't read it. Nope. Allie does. Allie does. Yeah. And if there's a male voice, it's James. <laughs> yeah. Or Nick Miller. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's an insane. I don't think joke. we nobody's can, gonna. We get can't it. afford him. <laughs> no. Uh, so before we get into the next one, uh, this is about the author. Um, let me make sure I'm doing the right one because I've been known to do the wrong one. Nope. Yep. It's the right one. So uh, I'm in a uh, writers group with this next author, and he just for fun posted an about the author that he thinks he wants to use for his career so this will be the official first time we use it awesome about the author steve kane has won absolutely no awards for his writing nor has he been nominated he lives in new richmond ohio with his wife and kids and his general audience consists of cardinals doves blue jays and woodpeckers that eat at the bird seed he puts out for them Most of the time, they fly away during the reading of one of his poems or stories. This leaves the next wave of birds confused as they begin their feeding during the middle of a tale. (laughs) He asked if if he should use that, and I was like, heck yeah, dude. I like that. That's hilarious, (laughs) and it's so him. So uh, this is a story by Stephen Kane. Pretty sure it's Kane. Right? I don't know why you doubt yourself on all of these people. I'm because sure. I get names it's Steve, wrong. So Stephen Kane. Yeah, Stephen and Kane. he's definitely a dude. Definitely a dude. Uh, and this is um, our second story read by Carter Michael, um, and Carter hits it out of the ballpark on this one. So this is "My Name Is John" by Stephen Kane, read by Carter Michael. So hot, he thought, wiping sweat off his forehead. He ignored the square of skin that flew with his perspiration. It hit the ground with a thud and stuck, sizzling in the heat. It had been hours since he drank. His mouth was dry, his lips were crusty. The moisture was evaporating from his body and his skin tightened. Ahead was another figure walking up Route 64. He tried to call out, but his tongue stuck to his teeth. He couldn't make more than a moan escape his mouth. He paused, looking around for a bit of shade. There was only asphalt, sand, and cacti. The figure ahead shambled on, growing smaller as it moved farther away. He was disoriented. The heat was playing with his mind, everything was fuzzy. 
He didn't know why he was walking, but there was an urge driving him. My name. What's my name? Something with J. His lips opened, and he stutter-whispered, but that was all. Jimmy? Jacob? Jules? No. He walked on, nearly tripping over his untied right shoelace. He couldn't fall. He might not get up. He was tired. T-t-tired. The road rose slightly and looked like it dropped away into nothingness. Everything was hazy. He wanted to run, but his legs wouldn't obey. John, he remembered. My name is John. A slight smile crossed his lips, cracking the red crust wringing his mouth. My name is John. He couldn't remember where he was from, couldn't remember his mother and father, didn't know if he had a wife or kids. My name is John. He clung to that. He doddered on, following the figure in the distance, maybe a mile ahead. Other figures were with it now, close together. Not social distancing, he thought, not knowing why he'd thought it. What did it mean? I'm John, he yelled in his head, but they didn't hear him. John came to a sign and stopped, trying to read it. was all he could muster. There was a vague recollection, but the letters ran together. Hole. He kept walking, dragging his left foot along now. The shoe pulled off and the scalding asphalt burned through his sock. He ignored it. He was close. The figures ahead of him were gone, but he continued in the same direction. A path forked to the right, but he tottered straight ahead. He had an urge to see. The road ended at an overlook. Stumbling forward to a short rock wall, John looked down. Below were his people. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? He didn't know, but he could hear them calling him, hear them echoing off the canyon walls. He replied, but he couldn't remember his name. Just Jay. He was Jay. He turned towards the path he had seen prior to the rim. He would go there. That's where he would join his family. He stammered. This is the one where you felt bad for a zombie. Right? Yeah. I feel sad for... That was so sad. Yeah. I didn't get it until toward the very end. I was like, wait, what? I'm, I'm missing something here. Yeah. And then it clicked and I was like, oh. Yeah. He's a zombie. Aww. He just wants to see his f- f- family. Aww. Can't remember his n- name. BRB, I'm going to go start crying now. Yeah. I had to get that one out like before we get into the last few because it gets kind of crazy. That was a real downer, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. That was amazing. It was so well written and so well performed. Uh, Just uh, hats off all around uh, to to everyone who is a part of this project. You guys did such a good job. (laughs) 
Uh, it's like a mini Oscars speech after every um after yeah. every story that we have. It's yeah, like thanks much. to the readers and the writers and to Tyler. No, not thanks to me. I barely did anything. The at music all. helps so much. Sure, but still though, I didn't do anything <laughs> compared to the writers and readers of this. All all praise to them. <laughs> praise be. <laughs> blessed be. <laughs> Um, moving on, we've got, uh, only a few more left. Um, and man, they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. They're so good. The titles are so good. Yeah. Um, this next one is written by Curtis A. Dieter. Um, and, uh, he's, he's in the same writing group as, as, uh, Steve Kane. And, um, man, I, I just met this guy and he, he he blew my socks off with the story. Um, I'm I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. I'm I'm happy 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 that he sent it in. Um, so Curtis, remember you are a very good writer and you should you should absolutely be pursuing this. This is read by Jess Ayers, our second story by Jess, and uh, man, let's just get into it. Static crackles through the baby monitor. Sandra listens to the baby rolling over in her crib and the synthetic crash of ocean waves. See? Mark tosses the monitor off the couch. Just the kid. But Sandra keeps listening. There was something else. I heard it. The woodsy aroma of Mark's cologne attracts her attention. She's longed for him to hold her all week. She wasn't about to deny herself his touch. If she isn't so serious, she isn't afraid. They have the lights down. The curtain's drawn. Mrs. Ritchie's house is a long way from the city where Mark lives. Cassandra pulled all the stops to make sure everything is perfect. Candles burning, Monocle's pizza on the kitchen counter, and a six-pack of Natty in the fridge. All for Mark. She hears it again and jumps, heart racing. A guttural gurgle cuts off the ambient sounds coming through the monitor. Jesus, Mark says, what was that? Sandra unlocks her phone, scrolls down to the Nest app, and opens her feed to the baby's nanny cam. She gasps. Tears stream down her cheek, and the phone slides out of her hand. Hey, it's going to be fine. Mark rubs her back, but she pushes him away. He sighs and rolls his eyes. It's probably nothing. I'll go check it out. Sandra follows Mark up the stairs, one hand clenching his shirt tail, the other gripping the walnut handrail so tight her knuckles turn white. Her eyes dart back and forth as they ascend. Every creak seems sinister and malign. As they approach the baby's room, the hallway stretches away. The faint blue light from her star projector pulses around the cracks of the door. Sandra thinks she hears breathy laughter, but it's only the sound of her own sobs. Mark hesitates at the threshold and pushes the door open. Inside, the baby is sleeping peacefully in her crib swaddled warmly in a pink muslin blanket. See, he says, nothing. Back on the couch, Mark tries to get frisky, but no matter how hard she tries, Sandra can't stop seeing the shadowy thing standing over the baby. He pushes Mark away, straightens her skirt, and runs to the bathroom to wash her face. The faucet gurgles and sputters and the water trickles. She gulps and shuts the water off. The pipe running through the wall to the upstairs bathroom pops, and she screams. Mark rushes in. What happened? 
Sandra hyperventilates and can't form a sentence. Calm down, babe. She shoulders past him, sprints up the stairs, and throws open the door to the bathroom. The tub is filled with a shallow amount of water, and the spigot drips at regular intervals, slower and slower, until it finally stops. Someone was in here, she says. There's a crash downstairs. The Tiffany lamp in the corner is knocked to the ground, and the kitchen towels are spread across the tile floor. When she reaches the kitchen, the basement door clicks shut. She slips a knife from the block on the counter and follows this shadowy perpetrator, taking the stairs two at a time and plunging into the darkness of the basement. I know you're down here, she calls. No use hiding. Upstairs, Mark flicks the lights on. There's a hiss followed by confusion of noise and motion. A hatch above the washer and dryer swings open and clasps shut. She leaps onto the washer and flings the door open. What she finds inside sends her scuttling back onto the concrete floor. The knife drops from her fingers and clatters away out of her grasp. Deep in the crawl space, hiding in the back corner, is a tall, slender creature. Its body is near translucent, and it's curled in around itself, rocking gently back and forth. Beside it is a pile of trinkets, bottle lids, binkies, shirt buttons, coins, and more. Somehow, by how fragile it seems, Sandra understands it's not there to hurt anyone. Somehow, she knows this house has been its home for much longer than anyone else. Oh my gosh. Right. What? Right. That was so good. I don't I don't even know what to say. The to moment I I don't want to I don't want to make it disingenuous how much I love that story by being as I'm excited about the other ones but I was this is such a good story. The moment when she opened the, the hatch yep. and just the description of her like flying backwards is what really sold it for me. I was yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, what's inside there?" Mark is a totally useless husband by the way, but Was he I think he's just a boyfriend. Oh, boyfriend. Whatever, it doesn't matter. That's not the point of the story. Yeah. Mark sucks. Sandra, <laughs> you're the real MVP. This is what was written to me when he sent it in. Thank you for taking the time to consider this short piece for your podcast. I do not typically write what I'll call pure horror. You need to. <laughs> Curtis. Curtis, fix that. You need to start writing pure horror because that was <laughs> pure horror. But I appreciate the opportunity to stretch my comfort zone. Elements of It Creeps in the Shadows are based on some of the things my wife and I have experienced in our, air quotes, new old home. Mm, move out. <laughs> or make friends with the thing that creeps in the shadows. <sighs> that is a terrifying addition to a terrifying <laughs> story. Am I right? Oh, man. Um, well done. Curtis, you did a fantastic job at this challenge of putting an entire scary story into 700 words. Um, and well done to Jess Ayers yes. for lending her voice to that story and giving it the emotion it deserves. Moving on, we have our second story read by Laura Daly. This is a story submitted by Brianna Fenty, I believe is how I pronounce the name again. I suck at this. 
Um, That's why we've got Laura Daly here. Is is this going to be French accent one? This is the French accent one. Uh, this is entitled Black Dolphins. Uh, Brianna is a good. No, I, I, I always say good friend. These are internet friends. She is <laughs> internet uh, friends she, are real friends. Yeah, they are real friends. I haven't been able to speak to Brianna as much as I'd like to. She's a very interesting person. Um, and her writing after I read this, uh, I will be a fan of hers for the rest of her career. Uh, I cannot wait to buy her novels and read what she comes up with. This is Black Dolphins by Brianna Fenty, read by Laura Daly. If I had never lost it, I would still be alive. These would be the final thoughts of Dr. Alastair Dove a mere 15 minutes after checking into the Dolphin Noir Hotel, a charming boutique affair rendered in gold-glazed windows and onyx facade. Though he hadn't enjoyed the pleasures of Manhattan's buffet of iniquity since his abrupt departure from NYU Langone's Department of Psychiatry, Dr. Dove was fairly sure there existed no avenue between McDougal and Sullivan Streets, especially one by the name of Rue Desperu. But the doubt was quick to dissolve. An old contact, one of a paltry few still in his corner after the revocation of Dove's medical license, had assured him of its presence. Follow the black dolphins, she'd said, and astray you'll never tread. Loitering in a lobby as oddly ostentatious as its outside suggested, Alastair tapped the silver service please bell. It rang and rang, then rang some more, refusing to stop and only growing in volume, screaming in a space whose vaulted ceilings became more sarcophagal by the second. A pale hand clamped over the bell, silencing its shriek. The concierge's genial, made-for-reception smile made Alastair's reaction, hands over ears, hunched near 90 degrees, seem a blatant and embarrassing overreaction. He crept to the desk, returning the smile, but with no small amount of lingering suspicion. How might I help you this evening, doctor? True to form thus far, the concierge spoke in thick Parisian. A room, perhaps? Alistair swallowed a chuckle. With his bespoke tuxedo and handlebar mustache waxed to a perfect curl, the man, a one Monsieur Dion, according to the name tag, was a walking, talking stereotype of old-school French aristocracy from a long bygone era. Indeed, my good man, mocked Alistair in his best highfalutin British, setting his black dock box on the marble floor. I do believe I have a one-night reservation for room... 324, finished Dion, unfazed by the jibe. A dramatic flourish produced a bronze passkey not plucked from the rank and file dotting the board behind the counter, but from his own pinstriped breast pocket. Alistair had expected the keys for the third floor to remain on display, preemptively booked for privacy by his colleague, but couldn't resist a browcock of surprise upon discovering the entire hotel was vacant. Follow the runner and take a left to the stairway. Whether you be requiring assistance with your luggage? Replying in the negative, Alistair ignored the concierge's warning on his way to the topmost floor. Best of luck, Dr. Dove. We hear she is a beast most wild and clever. Wild, certainly, but clever? They were little more than laboratory apes, he chortled at the thought. Unlocking room 324 with a satisfying tumble of pins, he stepped inside to find 
the examination table empty, restraints torn and dangling. Is there a problem, Dr. Dove? He rounded on Dion suddenly and silently wedged in the threshold. It seems you've misplaced two things this evening. I assure you, Cui at the Dolphin Noir treats such cases with utmost importance. How? Before Alistair could articulate his shock, Dion handed over his case. Stunned, he accepted the kit. The nape of his neck and its fine blonde hair stood at attention, but he found himself unable to turn, even as footsteps and frosted breath drew closer behind. And the second, he stammered. We at the Dolphin Noir treat such cases with utmost importance, Dion repeated, affable smile eradicated by a maddened, drug-addled grin. I assure you. The door slammed. The patient growled. In a dervish, no doubt of the supernatural sort, Alistair was strapped to the table so tightly, his feet and hands bloated blackberry purple. A crazed woman in white, frothing and nearly rabid, pulled the mallet and orbitoclast from Alistair's dock box even as he fruitlessly thrashed. Hold still, my dear, she hissed, quoting his own words back at him. She aligned the rod not under his eyelid, not at the crease, but at the bullseye center of his darting pupil. Resistance will serve only to amplify your suffering. The last Alistair saw was twin black dolphins tattooed on her palms. Then the rod skewered his brain. If I had never lost it, thought Dr. Dove, if I had never lost it. <laughs> Nobody can see me, but like I was over here, like yeah, you're like it. I'm like, oh my like god, no, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, also, bonus points for using sarcophagal, sarcophagal yeah. in your story. Yeah. That was just like, that was so good. <clears throat> yeah. I could see like the hotel staff, and mm -hmm. it was it was so well set, and I didn't see what was coming at all. Right. I was. Uh, oh, it was a ride. I uh, like I said, I'm genuinely a fan of her writing now, having having read that uh, and listened to um, listen to Laura read it, um, which I'm going to get to in a second. Uh, so Brianna Fentley. Yeah. Fenty. Fenty. Son of a bitch. I, one day I'll get someone's name right. <laughs> listen, from now on, everyone's name is Chad Smith. <laughs> Is that the only thing you can pronounce? Yeah. Alyssa, you're halfway there, just with the last name. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa can stay. Um, Brianna, holy shit. Well done. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm trying not to be all over the top about this because I want my, my earnest feelings to be here. I am, it's, it's, you are a fantastic writer. And I seriously cannot wait to read more from you. I'm I'm so excited for your career. Um, so so definitely keep it tabs on her if you liked that. Um, let's talk about Laura Daly reading that story though. Ooh. Let's talk about that French accent. That was so good. Way better than what like, I would have done. No offense, Tyler. 
You've never heard my French accent. I've heard a lot of other accents, and I don't have confidence <laughs> in your French accent. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. That was beautiful. It was beautiful. The way she read it, that she had that that monotone feel, that very surgical feel to it the whole time. Ooh. She had she gave it the atmosphere it needed. She gave it room to grow. Well done, Laura. Well done. I loved that story so it was much. So good. So that's the end of our of our stories being submitted and then read by um, other, other people. people. Um, we have two stories left for you. Uh, the first one, uh, I'll, I'll, the, the last one is my story because I'm an egotist, ego, <laughs> egocentric douchebag who has to have the last word. I feel like that was a little harsh. Yeah, whatever. This, um, this is your show. <laughs> you put this all together. Yeah. You put your story wherever you want it to go. This story, though, belongs in the last section so that it would be the dessert. It would be the thing <laughs> that leaves us with our... This is the main course, you guys. So Allie, is main course and dessert. Oh, yeah. my gosh. This is this is ice cream for dinner, y'all. Um, Allie Fitzgerald, like I said earlier in our show, she went out of her way to to just blow this out of the park. She she wrote and directed herself in uh, reading this story. Um, and she even videoed her herself reading it. She's putting together a full video of her reading it. And she got someone to illustrate some uh some of it to put it on top of the video um and she's going to be releasing that on her youtube and uh so all it took was us going hey you should read or you should write a flash fiction and she did all of that and so at one point she's like so so is it okay if i do this is it okay if I, and i'm like yo ali the roles are reversed now i should be asking you is it okay if i use this you're doing so much work she did so she did all of this. She put this whole audio together. Uh, her boyfriend, Carmichael, who is the executive producer of Fables of Refuge, he helped her with mixing and some sound effects and stuff. Um, so they worked as a team to create this audio, which is Hook and the Haunting by Ali Fitzgerald. I can't catch my breath. But I can't stop running either. I can hear him dragging his hook along the walls. It's so dark. And I'm so tired. But I've gotten this far. I cover my ears and clench my mouth to stop from screaming in pain. I look to the left and I look to the right. It's a maze in this abandoned asylum basement. His hook sounds like it's coming from the right. So I turn left, hoping to evade him. I run down the shallow flooded hall. It's dark down here. The lights flicker barely for a second. Luckily, I see nothing ahead. I feel for the wall to the left of me. Oh, it's all brick covered in cobwebs. My feet are soaked and numb. Occasionally I see mice fleeing across the hall. They must be afraid of him too. I finally see a door, a place to hide. Just a few more steps. If I can make it in there. Shit! I lift my head from the gross water. I tripped over a gurney or something. Did he hear me? 
I don't hear him. I try to stand, but I, ah, uh, I blow out in pain. I screwed up my ankle. I hop towards the door, leaning on the wall even more now. Fuck, why is this happening? I grab the door, look behind, wait for the lights to flicker. I see nothing and run inside. The room's covered in cobwebs. Gross. This must have been an old storage closet. Broken lockers everywhere, with some doors, some without. There's a light with a chain, but I dare not try to see if it works. I see a desk to the right of the room. It has a bunch of boxes piled around it, as if someone was packing up to leave and never came back. Crumpled papers and files litter the floor. The desk looks like it has several years of dust on it. I hobble over towards the back and see there's an opening underneath. I crawl in and hide. I start sobbing. <laughs> and I quickly cover my mouth, remembering I'm not alone. Beth, keep it together. I have to. No one is coming for me. I need to find a way out. I rip off the sleeve of my shirt with my teeth and tie it around my ankle to brace it. I tie my hair back using just my hair. I'm glad I didn't cut it. I rub my eyes and wipe away my tears. I take another deep breath. I stand. And though I quiver in pain, exhausted and full of fear, I ignore it. I have to keep moving. I stagger towards the door. I reach for the door and I open it just enough to peek through. It seems clear. I turn left out the door, hoping he's still somewhere behind me. I use the wall to help support my ankle. My feet splash through the water. I stop. Listening carefully. Trying to figure out what direction it's coming from. But I can't. Sounds like it's coming from everywhere. Fuck, fuck. I turn left trying to outrun the sound. As I turn, lights flicker. There he is, standing in front of me, dragging his hook along the wall. He reminds me of the undead with his face old and decaying, with goo dripping out. Almost a bald head with gray stringy hair draping over his deep, caved in swollen eye. The other one missing entirely. Beth, my dear. He slurps as he speaks. Come back to me. We still have so much more work to do. I still have more organs to pluck. Drip, drip. I look down. My intestines are hanging out. And that drip sound is my blood leaking onto the floor. I quickly grab them. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> That's right, my dear. You're dead like me. And you're going to stay down here with me <laughs> forever. Holy crap. Yeah. Damn, Allie! Damn, Allie! Damn!
So if you want to check out Allie's work. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just so much to love about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, the plotting is fantastic. She drops you into the middle of the action literally with a splash. Yeah. I did not actually, I, I did not see that twist coming. Of her being dead the yeah. whole time? Yeah. I, yeah. That was a total shock to me. And I just loved how she took this quote unquote assignment yeah. and made it her own. Yeah. Rock on, Allie. She she knocked it out of the park. I wasn't lying. Um, <sighs> seriously, if you want to check out her work, uh, you can go to uh, on YouTube, Allie Fitzgerald, uh, F-I-T-Z-G-E-R-A-L-D. Yeah, I can't wait to see the video uh, version of And it's of Allie. This. It's 1-L, A-L-Y, Allie, 1-L. Um, but, yeah, she has a, a bunch of videos up. She does some sketch comedy stuff. She does um, just kind of her life stuff uh she's a minimalist uh vegan and she kind of talks about that stuff and and how that relates to a lot of her her stuff she just did a video about like her favorite halloween movies or you know ones that you should watch at least um and she'll be releasing the video for that audio on uh her her youtube page can't wait um and she credits uh carmichael um with being a co-editor sound effects and mixing mixing person the person that mixing things mixologist mm, nope <laughs> but she did write direct edit produce all of it herself so well done ally uh huge inspiration to me uh just that that couple uh those people everybody who has submitted stories and read stories you guys are just the absolute best um, and after we listen to my next, the, my story, um, we'll, we'll be getting into saying goodbyes and thank you some more. So, um, the next story is mine, which I wrote and read and I produced and I don't know. You're stalling. Yeah. <laughs> let's just I get into know. it. It's, it's fun. Let's get in. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> So, you want to know your future, eh? The crone asked with a salivating grin. Three children stood, nodding in fear. Unsettling silence stood over them, as did the witch. I know what's in your heads, child. I know secrets of the universe to paste your mind like a mortar and pestle. Ah, you will bow to me as worms, melt with the humility in the wake Yeah, of- we ain't got all night, lady, Rocky demanded. Halloween is basically over, and Tommy talked us out of candy to come talk to you. So, can we get on with this? The crone's head twisted like a dog, grin giving way to anger. Starting with you, then? Rocky, Rocky O'Hare. Twelve years old, moved here two years ago, eh? Has two pet geckos, but... Oh, forgot, forgot to, to feed them, them and now they're, they're dead. dead. Holy sh... The crone placed her claw on the boy's head, eyes beamed with white magic, throwing her head back, sounds of hell reaching through her. I see into the bog of the future to show you eldritch mysteries that'll haunt you for the rest of your pathetic days. Her head rolled back into a stare onto the boy. Rocky, Rocky O'Hare. 
You will live to be 85. A mediocre career in human resources. Your wife will produce for you six children. All of them. Every single one will be present at your deathbed. Which will come to you softly in your sleep. The children pondered this as the witch's rattled breath continued. Ricky responded first. That sounds fine, actually. Yeah, Tommy said. That's a pretty good life. What? what? No. no. Oh, do me next, Kim said as he, she bounced on her feet. No, this isn't a, a carnival, carnival fun time thing. Tis a curse to no one's future. It, it is, is an, an existential, existential burden, burden, you fools. Yeah, yeah, existential eldritch carnival. Got it. Here's a 20. Focus on my love life and there's a tip to come. Fools! The witch exclaimed, pocketing the 20. I don't perform! I'm no cotton candy man whispering futures for sweet delight. I, I bring nightmares as what you fear surely comes to pass. Her beams of eldritch light focused on Kim. She grunted in a hellish tongue. Kim Salzman, marriage to your high school sweetheart solidifies your teenage ways until the age of 33 when you divorce. <laughs> Forced to cope with the world, you will travel and you'll find yourself once again. Then you will meet Ricardo, tall, dark, handsome. Chubby growing up, so he'll totally think that you're out of his league and, and support, support you for, for the rest of, of, for for the rest of your life. life. Oh, you earn this, Kim said, pushing another 20 into the crone's bony fingers. Guys! The witch argued, coming out of her trance. You're really not getting this. Tis a punishment, not a reward. Thing is, Tom began, people have learned to deal with crap happening. Lower our expectations, try to find the good in things, not the bad. The burden isn't stressing as much as it's an opportunity, you know? Wow, the witch said, flabbergasted. You've, you've really struck this old cobwebbed heart. Truly, you are wise and kind. Kim, give her, give her another 20. It's my turn. Here you go. The witch shifted from confusion to concentration, placed her hand to the boy's head, breathed in, rolled head back, then beamed out with sorceress light. Tom Smith, <laughs> you'll have a battle that'll span your entire life, claiming bits of you, stomach, foot, your mind, they will all be taken from you. Enjoy Halloween now! <laughs> For the battle coming will steal all Hallow's Eve from you too. The witch laughed with pleasure. What do you say now, Tommy? Was the twenty worth the price of knowing your burden? What am I gonna battle? Is it cancer? Like a work rival? Global warming? It's, uh, hold on. Head back. Eyes beamed with the ether quickly, then back to him. It's called diabetes. Diabetes? Yes! That's it. I can deal with that. Runs in the family. I see my dad deal with it all the time. Cool. Thanks, witch. The children turn, walking out, chattering about their futures. I was really scared there for a minute. Yeah, me too. It didn't turn out too bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Thunder clapped. Lightning struck and the old witch's house was left alone for another year as the crone yelled after them, No! You fools! You slightly misfortunate fools!
God, Tyler, that was amazing. 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 Ah, oh, that's not amazing. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you told me it was going to be funny, and I sort of expected that anyway from last year. <laughs> that was so funny. Was it though? And all right, very well uh, voiced. Your accent was top notch. Was it? I it, actually pulled off a, an you, accent. For you one? pulled it off. The editing was amazing too. Like I, I feel like that really set the tone of it going throughout the whole thing. I mean, they all have, but on that one, like you had the voice going and she was being so creepy and the music was creepy. And I was like, oh yeah, this sounds really creepy. And then I'm like processing what she's saying. I'm like, wait, none of this is really that terrible. (laughs) And then you cut the music and they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I legitimately started writing that story as a scary story. Like I was going to tell a scary scary story, but like, as I was writing her little monologue at the beginning of like, you know, you'll, you'll bow down before that sort of thing. Like it just hit me. It like, it'd be so funny if the person listening to this just interrupted because they're, (laughs) they don't have time for this. Right. So I just ran with that. And, uh, and, and I ended up writing 1200 words and then I had to cut it down to 700. I was, I was tempted to be like, Oh, nobody will know that I went over 700 (laughs) words. Uh, and then I was like, no, that's kind of a dick move to make everybody do 500 to 700. And then I go over. So I cut it down to 700 and ended up with that. Um, but I really, really liked it. Like I, maybe I've just been watching too much college humor lately. Um, but that, I get that vibe actually. Now yeah, that you say that. Yeah. Like to me, I, I don't know if you know the the people who are part of college humor, but in my head, if I was to cast that as a skit uh brendan lee mulligan uh he's a redhead guy who who's on college humor 100 percent would be the witch um and if you know who i'm talking about you know why i would have him play the witch because he'd be so fucking perfect for it okay brendan mulligan you're recording this next yeah time. <laughs> brendan uh just you know hit me up you know i know you don't have much going on with running <laughs> college humor and dropout tv and covid <laughs> that third thing just tack yeah. that onto everything um so so that was it that was the whole those were all the stories that was our reactions to all of them um what do you think hannah this what do you was think? so fun i mean this was a blast last year too but i loved how we did it this year I loved you how didn't you, have to do any work no <laughs> i loved how you did it this year i yeah. love having people who are actual like voice actors yeah reading the stories and i love kind of um mixing it into a finished product yeah it's amazing yeah and everybody did such a good job yeah holy crap i loved it i love that this is a special episode i know it's a lot longer than our normal episodes but i i think it's great i mean there's just so many good stories that were sent to us um so many people who are willing to help us and uh God, I just I just appreciate you guys so much. I know uh, it's gonna get a little mushy just for a minute here. <laughs> I, you know, I've I've done a lot of stuff in my life that has flopped. Um, I've spent a lot of time trying to justify myself as a creative person, and and you know, you get told that you're a creative person by people, but um, until you see the the evidence of it yourself, it's it's hard to believe it, and. For me, this is this was my this was something where I, I just I was 
really excited to to prove myself as as a writer um and as a producer and um and then to really look at the friends that i've made over the last year and a half um i'm i'm genuinely happy with um with the people i've gotten to know and the friends that i've been able to make and i know that this is not this is halloween's not generally thought of as the coming together you know holiday that's thanksgiving that's that's christmas or whatever but i love halloween so much i love that you know being silly and scary and and creepy can bring people together and and i just uh, this was this was a big win for me um and so i it's it's this is really personal um i i genuinely am am very happy with the way that this turned out and and i just want to uh, let you guys know how much i appreciate you taking time to to write write your stories for my dumb little podcast <laughs> And, and to take time to read stories for my dumb little podcast. Um, and, and you guys mean so much to me. Um, and listeners, you know, you guys listening to our show, um, I just, it, it just, it, it makes me so happy uh, watching our numbers grow and watching people talk about us um, and, and, and enjoy something that I'm creating, you know, and, and Hannah, thank you so much for for being on this journey with me of of you know when i when i sat down with you and for the first time and i was like hey what would you think of doing this type of show and you were so on board and i was so upfront too like look you're gonna do most of the work (laughs) and you were still willing to do it with me and i and then and then just just from that moment on you know and and the guests we've had on our show and that we're going to have on our show and, and, and all of it, you know, you, you really, Hannah specifically, you, you've, you've helped me create something that I, that is so much bigger than I could have created by myself. And, um, and it's everybody listening and everybody contributing that, that makes it that. So I just, just a huge, huge thank you to everybody. Thank you echoing that uh and also thank you for bringing me along for the ride this has been a blast for the last year and a half Mm. uh so much cooler than i could have even imagined and i mean an episode like this just proves it it's like you mentioned bringing together all of the people we've met all the friends we've made yeah and all the best parts of our show in one two-hour special yeah absolutely uh fuck christmas halloween is where where you're gonna get (laughs) halloween is the best holiday guys than anything else um so with that we're gonna do our usual rigmarole to get out of here um, get out of here i mean tyler you're stoked for our next episode i have been reading <laughs> i've been reading dune for like a month now i'm so close to finishing it i don't even know if i'm gonna read about herbert uh frank herbert yet uh i'll do that part for yeah you. it's gonna be a two-parter right we're yes. doing two parts so i'll have a little bit of time to maybe get a little information on them but dune itself is big enough it's i could just talk about that book for a whole fucking episode um so yeah so dune is our dune frank herbert is our next couple episodes in in november um you guys are gonna hear me go off man (laughs) ow new favorite book it's hard to tell which episode tyler was more excited for this one or dune 
Yeah, we put two great episodes. <laughs> I mean, if back. we don't get a million <laughs> listeners off of these two episodes. No, I'm joking. So if you guys want to chat us up, um, 100%, if you have Flash Fiction, write it, send it in. We will continue to read stories. They can be creepy. They can be love stories. I mean, if they're too lovey-dovey, I might not read it. I'll be uncomfortable. <laughs> Hannah, I'll make Hannah read it. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you think lovey-dovey, you think Hannah Ray Lambert. <laughs> we'll, we'll pull James in. We'll make him read it. Um, I'm sure Britt would read it for us. Probably. She loves smut. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Um, anyway, send in your flash fiction. Send in stories that you want to share um, if you're a writer, if you're an author, let's get your fucking name out there. Seriously, it's time to take control. Get your name out there. We want to help you. So send your stuff to lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. If you're on Facebook, so are we. Facebook.com slash lewisandlovecraft. You can uh, talk to us there. You can comment on pictures that we post every, like, uh, once a month. Um, on Instagram, that's where you're going to see us the most active at Lewis and Lovecraft on Instagram. Uh, we post, we try to post just about every day. There's some days we miss, but generally we try to post every day. Talk to us there, send us messages, follow us, tell your friends to follow us. Um, and then you can just go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com and see, I mean, hopefully our, in the next year, our, our website will be a little bit better, a little bit less static. Um, but yeah. And as always, we want to thank a uh, close personal friend of the show, Jake Basson, for our awesome intro music. Uh, sadly, we did not hit him up for a Halloween remix. No, we didn't. Remix. We, will we totally to should have. Or we can just ca get Cameron to do it. He did our remix for Correspondence. Correspondence, too, yeah. So Cameron can just do that. We just use our friends. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you should definitely ch check out Jake's um, SoundCloud. He has all sorts of diff different genres. Um, that is soundcloud.com slash Jake Bassin, B as in boy, A-S-S-E-N. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us, you guys. Uh, it's the best way to keep up with us when we release fun stuff like this. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of those. Just subscribe. Just hit the little smash that subscribe <laughs> button. Thanks, Peter McKinnon. Yeah, no problem. And uh, if you're on a platform that allows reviews, particularly iTunes, please rate and review our show. It really helps other people, uh, you know, decide to hit play for that first time. We have not gotten a review since last April. Is that, Did you look up when the yeah. last one was? Come last on, guys. April. We've that's, had so many great shows since that's April. That's when COVID started. Whew. You guys want to know how to cure COVID? <laughs> Leave a review. That's what we've been missing. Yeah, that's it. Guys, it's your moral the obligation. science lines up. I'm not saying it's the <laughs> cure. I'm just saying nobody's left, left us a review since COVID started. Let's give it a try, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in the meantime, you can also tell a friend. While you're wearing a mask. While you're wearing a mask. <laughs> Shout it from six feet away. Yeah. Stay six feet away through a mask and say, <laughs> Actually, maybe write it down and yeah. show it to them. I, that sounded a bit muffled. I don't know if they'd get it. Just tell your friends about it, man. Especially this episode. If there was an episode to share, it's this one. This week. It's Halloween week. This episode's out. Tell a friend about it, man. <laughs> that was very ghoulish. I liked yeah, it. I know, On brand. Right? Yeah. But yeah, share this episode. It's. I think it's a favorite of a lot of our regular listeners. 
My mom was literally asking me when our Halloween episode was going to come out. Yeah. It's uh, I'm so excited to release it. I'll be talking about it for another, we're I'm going to talk about it for 2 weeks after Halloween. Oh yeah. Man. Scary stories are good one ever. Yeah. Um so uh with that we will say adieu and uh, see I can do French and uh and everybody stay safe this Halloween. Uh wear a scary mask instead of a blue one and uh remember fear is the mind killer. Ba-da-ba-da. <laughs>